Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Our story of hope today is coming from another one of our high school students from Central Youth. You might be able to tell I love our students from Central Youth. Such an important part of our church, leading us worship and just doing so much service in our church. A few years back, Aubrey Hayworth was on a short mission trip that we took uh, to the Lac de Flambeau Tribal Reservation up in northern Wisconsin. And I, I love the way that Aubrey gravitated to the people of Lac de Flambeau. And it, it kind of gave me and her a unique bond because it's a group of people that I've worked with and I, I've, I've fallen in love with over the years in ministry. And I wanted her to share a little bit about her story of hope this morning. The story of how God opened her heart to a group of people and how he moved her to a commitment of prayer. Hey, Aubrey, I appreciate you uh, talking with us about your story of hope. Um, I want to ask you, what was it that God did in your heart when you went on that trip to Lac de Flambeau? In what ways did God challenge you in your faith? Growing up, I feel like I was very selfish and I didn't see other people's needs before mine. And so this trip kind of opened my eyes to see um, the amount of people that are in need around me and um, how much I can show them Jesus's love through what I'm doing. And so I feel like the biggest challenge on the trip was um, getting out of my comfort zone and um, and loving on people that I'm um, that I don't even know. And I feel like I was able to not only teach other people who Jesus is, but also kind of remind myself who he is and what he does for me. One of the things that I loved about your heart after that trip was you made a commitment to pray for kids and families in Lac de Flambeau. Um, something that I had kind of asked people to think about doing on the trip and you took it full force. Uh, why? Why did that become such a big thing for you? What did that look like in your life as you took on that commitment to pray? I feel like I saw a lot of hurt in these kids and I didn't want them to continue living life um, without hope and not knowing who Jesus was. And so my simple prayer every night was just asking him to um, come into their lives and help them to feel like they are loved and that they are worth it. I know that myself, my heart has probably been changed more than anything. There was one person in particular uh, that was an enemy in my life when I was growing up that God challenged me in college to just begin praying for. Um, didn't do it every day, but I, I, I think I do it actually probably more now. Um, what was it about this challenge to prayer that God put on your heart? How has it changed your heart, not just for people of Lacta Flambo, but people in general that you see every day? Um, since the Lac de Flambeau mission trip, I've been on three other ones, and I've seen the need in areas um, not just with high poverty, but also in my school and in my neighborhood. And it set a fire in my heart to constantly pray for them and to love on them. And God has opened my eyes to see um, the other need around me, and it's helped me grow in my faith. Aubrey, I appreciate you taking a moment to tell us your story of hope. Um, and encouraging other people to find ways to be praying for people because uh, I think it's something sometimes we, we neglect it a little bit and I, I appreciate that for the last couple years you've been spending time praying for the people of Lacta Flambeau so thanks it always stuck out in my mind to me as 
Aubrey's told me uh, many times in the past few years that she still prays for the people of Lac de Flambeau just about every night. And that kind of faithfulness, it's powerful to me. Uh, but can I just throw out a real question that, that I think a lot of people have? Why would we choose to pray like that? What's the point? I found that there are moments when I'm at home right now that it's, I, can't, I can't quite control myself from having a little giggling fit going on. And it happens when I listen to Finley or Sadie, my two youngest daughters, talking to my wife, Crystal. I've never heard more why questions come at someone in such a short span of time. You know, Finley's five years old and she's got this amazingly adorable little, uh, uh, just adorable voice. And it makes, it makes the questions that much cuter, but she's asking stuff all the time like, Mom, why do, why do the birds outside do that? Mom, why, why can we hug each other, but we can't hug other people right now? Mom, what exactly is a coronavirus? Which, does anybody really know? Mom, why, does, why do people have to burp sometimes? I asked Crystal how much she thinks that she actually talks each day when it's not in response to a question. And I think she actually got annoyed with me because it was like it was just one more question that she had to answer to. So why should we pray? That's the biggest question. Why should we pray? And this is a difficult question for a lot of people. Some people have tried to pray, but they've given up because it didn't seem like anything was being answered. You know, raise your hand if, if you've ever been there. <laughs> like, I've been there. Sometimes it feels like, God, what I'm praying for is obviously in everyone's best interest. Why in the world won't you answer it? And we get frustrated because God doesn't see things like we see things. And so now we think prayer is ineffective and we give up. And so that's, that's one question. Why pray if it doesn't seem like it's doing anything? And for the record, I'm not saying that it doesn't do anything. But that's how we feel sometimes about prayer. But then I think there's another question that people have. And, and maybe it's more theological. If God knows everything, why is prayer even needed? And how, how could it ever change any outcomes? And there's a rabbit hole there you can, dig, you can dig really far into. And frankly, I don't want to go get deep into this theological thing today. That usually doesn't actually always help us out that much. Let's just start here. God instructs us to pray. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's got to be a worthwhile reason that God is telling us to pray continually. He wants us to never stop, to never cease from praying. Even though He knows all things and He knows our hearts, there's got to be a reason that He finds prayer to be a worthwhile thing for us to, to find the time to do. In fact, I think that God puts in us a natural instinct to pray. And I want to let our lead pastor of Central, I want to let David Clark talk to us for a few minutes about that very thing. Yeah, a part of the point of prayer is that it's just hardwired into our souls. We were made to pray. In fact, we are going against our nature when we don't pray. I mean, we pray when we feel empty and alone. We, we, we pray when we feel grateful and in love. We, we, we pray when we need help, when we need a job, when we need help in our marriage or help in our finances. We pray when we feel like we're at the end of ourselves emotionally, mentally. We are just hardwired by God 
to pray. In fact, um, one of the things I've learned is Time has gone on, and I've studied ways to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying, is that the why of prayer, the point of prayer, is actually buried in the very word itself. Our English word for prayer comes from a Latin uh, root word, precari, like precarious. That's where we get our word precarious. Now, you know what the word precarious means. It means about to fail or collapse, and that's when we pray. When it feels like our marriage is about to collapse, the right instinct is to pray. When, when it feels like our finances are bordering on collapse, the right instinct is to pray. When it feels like we're failing in our work, or in our parenting, the right instinct is to pray when it feels like, um, you, you know, our faith is collapsing into fear, or our hope is collapsing into despair. The right instinct is to pray when, when we feel that uh, we're failing physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually in our relationships. <laughs> the right instinct is to pray, 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 pray. We are hardwired to pray. We have this instinct inside of us to pray, and it's right. It's the right instinct. You ever think about just this instinct that we have? Uh, most of us, even if we don't pray a lot, there really seems to be something in, inside of us, this natural instinct to pray. In precarious times, we call out to God. Maybe you're thinking, Kellen, you, I, you obviously don't know me. I, I don't call out to God. Okay, maybe so. But your instinct in precarious moments of life is still probably to call out to someone, right? My girls were downstairs the other day and they saw a spider. Instinctively, they started screaming, Daddy, there's a spider. They knew, they knew who to call out. They always have. Crystal, she ain't gonna deal with those things. Uh, when we had babies and I was, going, I was going to change a diaper and I realized that it had gone out of the diaper and it was going up our baby's back, I knew I needed to call out to somebody. And I'd be like, Crystal, please come deal with this. And if she wasn't there, I was just gonna throw that thing out. There was no way I was gonna keep those clothes. I was gonna, I knew who I wanted to call. Sometimes we wanna call on somebody. And when a kid has a test, even, even someone who doesn't believe in God says, hey, hey, if there's a God out there, could you help me pass this thing? You're up on a roof and you're trying to get back onto the ladder and before, before you go down, you accidentally, then you, you kick the ladder down. And now you're hanging on by the edge of this roof and you're screaming, Dear Lord, save me! Your favorite team is down a point. There's no time left on the clock and your worst free throw shooter is shooting two free throws. And by instinct, half the gym is saying, God, if you'll let this guy hit these two free throws, I'll never ask for anything again. We have an instinct to call out for help. And often we call out to God in that instinct. But in that instinct, people often feel like they're never answered. The question we need to ask ourselves when we ask this question, why should I pray, is this. Am I willing to submit to the idea that God knows better than I know? If I believe God knows best, then prayer is always the right answer because prayer puts power back into God's hands and takes it out of my own hands. We need to understand 
this one thing about prayer. Prayer is less about asking God for things than it is about letting God make our hearts right for where he's about to steer things. And let's face it, God is going to steer us in places that we don't think we should be steered. Just like you steer a child to do things that they find difficult because you know it's going to be better for them in the end, God is doing that with all of us all the time. And prayer is not about getting God to change those circumstances so much as it is about connecting with him so that we're ready for, when, for wherever he takes us. And we see this evident no more so clearly than in probably one of Jesus' most famous prayers of all. And I don't need to set the scene up a whole lot here. Jesus, Jesus knows that his time on earth is it's coming to an end. And he's going to do one of those things that he does in the precarious moments, really in all the moments, he's going to pray. Luke 22, 39 through 42, it says this, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew from that place and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Can we point out one thing here first when we look at that? It says that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. In other words, Jesus often came to this place to do this very thing, to pray. And there's, there's your start right there. Jesus didn't just ask us to pray. He did it himself. He took the time to pray. Do you want an answer to the question, why pray? You can just start right there and end there. It's because Jesus did it. But we're going to go a little further, okay? Uh, there's a few things that I think we, we see that prayer does in the heart of Jesus. Again, this is less about requesting things of God, and it's more about aligning our heart with God. We know that because Jesus' prayers aren't answered as he, as he asks, he, he doesn't whine about those things. It's not just about the request. When a child asks a parent for things, it's about the request. And so when he or she doesn't get that stuff, they start to whine. We realize it's not about... It's not about anything but what they want. But for Jesus, it's about, it. it's about what's in the heart. So when he doesn't get what he's asking the Father for, he gets up and he, he carries on. What we see here is that Jesus has, has, is reassured in this time of prayer that his Father knows best. So why pray? It's because it grounds you in your faith rather than in your circumstances. It's not my will, but it's yours, God. My will's in my circumstances turning. God's will is in the eternal matters. Prayer grounds me in my faith that God has a good end in sight. And I love that I can pray and I can say, God, this is how I think things should go, but if it doesn't go that way, I'm still going to trust you. You know best. Prayer is a place where we are able to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again. You know, what's the good news? The, the news? the good news is that Jesus died for me. That he works all good things for my good. Uh, that he has eternity in mind when all I have in mind is the present moment. Prayer is a surefire practice in our lives that can help us to give our worries to God and then we can be reminded that, yep, you know what? Now things are in his hands and he knows what he's doing. And there's another thing that Jesus does here. And I think this is so powerful. He puts his father on the throne and he chooses to step off of it himself. And why pray? Because sometimes we have to acknowledge once again that I am not in control. 
And that's actually a good thing. Jesus had a hand in, in creating this entire world, and yet in this moment, he chose to cede all of his authority, and he chose to trust in his, in his Father. You know, when Peter cuts off the, high priest, uh, the, the servant's high, high priest's ear, Jesus was uh, being arrested at this point. Jesus actually stops him. He's like, Peter, do you really think that I can't get out of this situation if I wanted to? It's not my will, but, but yours is a prayer that submits our hearts and our desires to God. For me, it was learning to pray for the person in the world that I honestly, I hated the most. God challenged me to, to pray for this guy and, and I had to get off of the throne of my life and put God on that throne. I wanted to hold on to my anger and my bitterness, but God wanted me to see the person that I hated as the person that he loved. Jesus Jesus wanted to see if there was another way for people's sins to be forgiven other than going to the cross. But when, when there wasn't another way, he submitted. Why pray? It reminds you and me that there is a king above us. There's something else here, I think, that, that this prayer might be maybe speaking the loudest. And it's that when Jesus says, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was bold. He was asking for a change of plans. But this is the part I think that's most important for us to see. Jesus understood that his father might answer his prayer as he asked him to, but there was a really good chance that he was not going to. And he was okay with that. The real answer to prayer that Jesus was looking for was he wanted an aligning with his father's heart. God always answers our prayers by nudging our hearts a little closer to the place that he wants our hearts to be at. So why pray? Because God answers our deepest needs through prayer, aligning our hearts with his. This is all about heart change. Prayer is all about heart change. God didn't need Aubrey to pray for the people of Lacta Flambeau in order for him to do things in their lives. God could have done anything and everything that he wanted to do in that community whenever he wants. But God is challenging Aubrey to pray for them. It was, that challenge was about her heart. It was about helping Aubrey to see his heart for the people of Lacta Flambeau and bringing her heart in connection with his heart for them. Real connection with God through prayer, it leads to heart change every single time. And one of the most powerful examples of this kind of prayer that leads us to having a heart that God wants us to have, it's actually seen in the prayer uh, that Jesus makes on the cross. He's been brutally beaten by the guards. He's been mocked. Uh, he's been forced to carry his cross to this place where he's going to be crucified. And I want to I want to let David take this next part. Pastor David, who I think uh, vividly helps us to see the heart of Jesus in this final prayer that, that Jesus makes to his father while he's on the cross. And, and now they have him. They position his arms out on the cross beam, find the right place in the wrist, and bam, hammer spikes down through his wrist. Dude, th th these are expert executioners. And so they allowed the right amount of slack in his arms so that he would strangle, so that he would suffocate, and did the same with his legs, took those spikes, took those nails, and drove them through his ankles to the cross. And when the cross was stood up, he had enough slack, but in order to breathe, he would have to pull himself up with all of his strength on those wounded hands and push against those wounded feet 
take a deep breath. And if he was going to speak, that's when he would speak. And he could only speak as much as breath as he had. And so it was in a moment like that, he lifts himself up. He pushes himself up, takes a deep breath and prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The point of prayer, the why of prayer, is to have the strength to forgive those who have hurt us, rejected us, betrayed us, abused us, to forgive ourselves, to find forgiveness from Jesus. Three times that third person plural pronoun is used by Jesus in his prayer. Forgiveness is said once, but them, they, they. Who, who's them? Was it the executioners, the soldiers? Who's they? Are, are you they? Was he praying for your forgiveness? You, Father, they, they don't know what they're doing. Please forgive them. Was they me? Father, forgive David. He's clueless. Notice he, he asked for my forgiveness, your forgiveness, their forgiveness on the basis of his relationship with the Father. And the forgiveness was provided by the power of his shed blood. I think we can make a mistake if we just assume that Jesus was all good and all loving simply because he was both God and man. It's as though I think we overemphasize him as God sometimes and forget his humanity altogether. He was a man also. The power for Jesus to be hanging on that cross and still be willing to forgive those who put him there, that took a connection to his father. Do you really think that if Jesus hadn't chosen to wake up early and spend time in prayer with his father, do you really think that he would have been who he was? Can you imagine a Jesus who never prayed and being capable still of healing the sick and casting out demons? At one point in Mark 9, 29, he actually tells his disciples that the miracle that he performed, it could only be done by prayer. Uh, he had to tap into the power of his father. Can you imagine a Jesus who never prayed, still living his life without sin in the midst of 40 days of temptation in the wilderness? Or do you think that in his precarious circumstances, did he probably rely on praying to his father? But why? His prayer gave him the relationship and the connection to the father that empowered him and kept him going. It's like a child with a parent. You, you put your three-year-old kid out on the sidewalk in front of your house. Then walk inside and see what, see what happens. Just watch what happens. If a kid is like my kid, it's not gonna go well. There might be immense crying, uh, they may, there may be a good chance that she finds something interesting out in the road and just starts to run after it. Nothing good is going to happen when a three-year-old child loses connection with her parent. Prayer is our connection to God. Prayer is our way of letting God move and point us in the right direction. Prayer keeps us from being like the, that three-year-old child walking out into the middle of the street because we have no supervision or connection to, the, to one who is wiser. Prayer is an open door to letting God change our hearts for the people around us. Prayer isn't just about asking God for things. Prayer is about believing God for things. Believing God to change your heart to look more like His heart. You can't become more like Jesus if you're not connected to God. And prayer is that connection point. I hope that we're all looking for ways to better ourselves in some way. Every single day while, while, while our schedules are thrown out of whack, while our lives are off course, are you letting prayer be a part of your daily routine? 
It's not a task just to cross off of a to-do list each day. Just like it's important for you to reach out to family and to connect with your family and to connect with your best friend, to connect with your coworker, it's important to keep your connection to God, to let him move in your heart. How are you gonna do that this week? I challenge you to come up with some ideas of how you're going to connect to God in prayer in this coming week. Why don't you pray with me? God, we know that we absolutely need you. We need connection to our Creator, to our God, to our Redeemer. God, I pray that you'd help us in this coming week to take the time that it takes to connect to you. God, forgive us the times where we kind of just go on life, doing our own thing, living our own way. I pray that this week, we would do something this week, that we would make a decision that we are gonna find ways to spend some time in prayer. And God, as we do that, I pray that you would connect us to your heart. God, help us not to just be about asking you for, to do certain things in, in, in our lives. God, I pray that we would gravitate to you, that our heart would become like your heart, that our heart for people would become like your heart for people. Like, like happened with Aubrey when she prayed for people in Lac de Flambeau and she grew a heart for them like you have for them. God, as I prayed for, for a person I struggled with and you grew my heart for that person, God, I pray that you will do that for all of us this week. Draw our heart to be more what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.